Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting-edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic with an emphasis on cutting-edge. Today, Qasem Aslam, my awesome co-host. How are you, buddy? I'm living the dream. How are you doing, Ralph? I'm good. I feel like I haven't talked to you in, I don't know, like a year. Or it's been well, it's, at least since last year. year right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that old joke. Straight up. Oh, bad joke. I'll talk to we you did. next year. No, like we recorded a bunch of shows and then we actually took a little bit of brain time off, which was pretty good. My brain was just saturated with lots of stuff from 2022 that I needed to sort out. So. I don't know if it was well-deserved time off, but I took some time off, damn it, and didn't check Slack or email or anything for like at least over a week. And it was freaking fantastic. I don't know what you did, but I know that you you like have a much better control over like your daily routines and everything that I than I do, but hopefully you had a good holiday break. You know what I started doing? I, I hired a new EA who mm. I'm obsessed with. He's just like rock solid. I really like him. Yeah. And he's doing inbox management for me. 
which is which is something I've always been so, kind of, sort of repelled by. But and you know what, Ralph, I'm going to make this a nugget. You ready for a nugget? All right. Here's that accidental nugget. nugget. Yeah, We're going to so, give uh, another nugget, but n- we'll leave that nugget for later. Nuggets on nuggets. So number one, I believe every entrepreneur should have an EA. Full stop, period. Like there's no reason you should be doing some of the tasks that you're doing. And to offer a quick cadence of, what would we say, categorization for tasks. I learned this from a guy named Steve Napolitano. Really, really, really brilliant marketer. He took me backstage at TNC once. We were both speaking and we're hanging out in the green room. And he did this like quick pseudo coaching with me and was just asking me about the things that I was struggling with and where I was. And and at the time I was really overwhelmed. And so he goes, okay, I'm going to give you three rules. When you're looking at your tasks, the very first rule is, can I eliminate this? And every entrepreneur goes, no, 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 I absolutely have to do all of these things. They're all important. But as you get a little older, a little gray beard, a little more sophisticated, you start to realize like, man, there's a lot of this stuff I just shouldn't be doing. You know, just should not be doing. So can you eliminate this? Question number one. Question number two, can you automate this? Mm. And that's one that gets, you know, that requires a a, a degree of sophistication and understanding, but go play with Zapier for a day and you're going to find out there's so much that you do that you should automate. And then number three is, can you delegate this? And by the time you get to question number three, according to, to him, you should have no tasks left. Because an entrepreneur's job is to sit there and dream and think and network and, you know, like, like to, to have margin. And the delegation piece for me, I've had some phenomenal EAs in the past. Ralph, you've met some of them. And the problem yeah. is they all get so good. You know, like my first EA is now our, our CTO and my second EA is now the, the, the director of automations at my company. Mm-hmm. So I've got this new young man, Sergio, and he's a couple hours ahead of me in terms of time zone. And so Sergio wakes up before I do. He goes through my entire inbox. He archives everything that should be archived based off of rules that I gave him. He unsubscribes from everything that I should unsubscribe from. And then anything that I need to attend to, we use Gmail's little star pattern. You know, there's like yellow star, exclamation mark, question mark, or whatever. And each means something different. And Gmail allows for multiple inboxes. So he does that for my Gmail inbox and he does that for my Slack. And then as a rule, and I'm not good at adhering to this rule, by the way, but as a rule, I'm supposed to only check my email and my Slack twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening. And, and it's nice because I know Sergio's on it. And then if there's anything that's urgent that happens, he just sends me a quick text. And I like the text because I get it right on my Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. So that weird stressor that you feel as a business owner where you're like, oh, I have to check my email because I have to see what's on fire. Mm-hmm. You can actually give that stressor to somebody else. So I've got Sergio who's checking my email and my Slack all day, every day. Like he's now, I've delegated my stress to him mm-hmm. and he'll start anything that I'm going to need to look at eventually. And if there's anything that comes in, that's like, oh dude, you have to do this right now today. I get that, you know, and in Slack, Slack has a, a folder called saved items. So in, it's, it's just like starring it in Gmail, but in Slack, you can save it. And I've got all the things that are saved for me at the end of the day, and I'll run through them real quick. And if there's anything that I have to address right now today, he'll text me. And some, sometimes I'll just, you know, message him right back and say, oh, here's how we handle that. So I got to tell you, man, it's, been, it's made me so not just productive, but it's also lifted so much of the stress of communication. I like what Brendan Burchard said. He goes, your, your inbox is somebody else's to-do list. So as entrepreneurs, especially if you want to focus on what's important to you, stay out of it. Stay out of other people's to-do lists, like focus on your to-do list. So I hope that was a nugget. Hector can cut that out if it was crap. It's so hard though. So Uh, hard. Like you've reached a level of success, revenue, you know, growth where you're now doing it 
like how about the guy or the gal is running a million dollar business or trying to get to that point at what point in time? And I'm only saying this because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kneeling at the confessional here, by the way, sure. father Cossum, you know, back to my Catholic roots, casual Catholic, as I've said many oh, times. Ralph Burns here. What have you done? Shit. Ralph Burns here. That's right. Altar boy, by the way, in the diocese of Massachusetts. Yeah, Ralph, you're young. I'm going way down a rabbit hole here. We don't want to go into. Anyway, There's the point therapy is, that needs to be done. That's <laughs> another therapy. It's a whole other show, or maybe I should go on somebody else's show. The point is, is like, at what point do you start thinking about doing this? Like, if you're a startup, like, can you do this? Can you do it if you have a hundred thousand dollars in revenue or a million dollars in revenue, and I don't know, ten to twenty employees or you know what I mean? Like at what stage do no you transition? Uh, nobody's been able to answer this, but I'm asking you well, this question. So I've got an answer because I'm, okay. I'm petulant and arrogant. I like to sound on my own voice. Okay. And, and, and challenge me on this, Ralph. Like, like push back for the I listener. I will. Absolutely. For the sake of the listener, hold my feet to the fire. Sure. Here's the issue is if you take all of your tasks and you put them on the spectrum, okay? And let's say the beginning of the spectrum is $5 an hour tasks. Because you do $5 an hour tasks as a business owner and you're a very successful business owner and you have a very big business. And yet you still, Ralph Burns, today do $5 an hour tasks. There are things you do, you know, like opening the mail and depositing junk mail. That's something that a $5 an hour employee could do. And then on the other end of the spectrum are your million dollar an hour tasks. Things that really could make you a million dollars if you invested them. This might be writing a book, creating content, ideation. So there's a spectrum, okay? Far left of the spectrum, $5 an hour tasks. Far right of the spectrum, million dollar tasks. Every business owner has that spectrum. Everybody. Mm -hmm. If you're in business and you're in a business that has some possibility of profitability, that mm -hmm. spectrum exists to you. As long as you're not a zero revenue business, in which case this doesn't apply, but you have some revenue, a part-time good EA is going to cost you $500 a month. Mm -hmm. A part-time good EA is going to cost you $500 a month. And that part-time good EA is going to give you 20 hours a week. And those 20 hours a week are going to enable you to delegate. Let's say that they're not as efficient as you. So even though they're giving you 20, maybe they take 10 hours off of your plate or even five hours off of your plate. That's potentially $5 million. Now, let's not be hyperbolic, okay? Let's not be hyperbolic. Let's just say that, that you know, and you bill your time. If you're a professional, you're probably billing your time at, at hopefully at least 150 bucks an hour. But let's say it's even less than that. It's $100 an hour. They're, they're allowing you to free up five hours a week with their 20, and you're billing out $100 an hour. That's $500 a week, and you now have a 400% ROI. Mm -hmm. There's no business owner that has a, a revenue producing business that shouldn't have a part-time EA. Now, the frustration here is number one, finding that EA. And, and I have a whole process for that, by the way. I have a free YouTube video that everybody can go check out and we'll put that in the show notes. But number two is in the beginning, you have to spend two hours explaining every 15 minute task. And most people don't have the time patience to do that. So when you hire your EA, give yourself about two weeks to train them. And, and I'm so meticulous with my EA. He knows how my, I want my emails formatted. I have a, a Google sheet called communication rules that says like, if somebody from this company emails me in this, so it's if this, then that, except when. So you have to be pretty meticulous in the beginning. But if you have a smart, industrious person, and there's so many around the world, like some of the, you know, I've had EAs from the Philippines, Latin America, Eastern Europe. 
There are some phenomenally capable people. They just lost the geographic lottery. And so we get to hire them, pay them more than they would make anywhere else. Because 500 bucks a month, by the way, is a good full-time salary for a Filipino EAA. So we're going to double their salary if we pay them 500 bucks a month for part-time. But now you have this person. And dude, you've met my EAs. You know how, I mean, Julianne was a insane ninja rock star assassin, badass. Like she built all the automation that we use, all the booking that we use for mm -hmm. perpetual traffic. She built that. Mm -hmm. I didn't even tell her how to do it. I was just like, hey, I need a booking engine for this podcast that, that I'm now on. And, you know, you were impressed and you thought I was awesome. That's because I just had this really good EA. Mm -hmm. The other thing that business owners don't realize is how much they can delegate. Like, I delegate so much. I don't even tell them how to do it anymore. I'm just like, hey, here's the end result. This is what I want. And if you have a good EA, they're going to be able to accomplish that for you. How was my answer? I think your answer is good. I think I would challenge the low. The, there are some people that still enjoy doing the high volume, low worth tasks because it helps them sort of clear their head. The, the question, the, the thing that I always sort of come back to is like, you know, we've got like doctors and lawyers and stuff that live in our neighborhood that still mow their lawn. Like, why mm. do they mow their lawn? Like this is maybe an extreme example because it's not necessarily work related oh, to their example, practice. Though, I see what you're saying. But like, it does help them. Like I like when I'm up in our cabin up in Maine when it's you know not completely underwater. It was this past week. Whole other story. I like chopping wood and stacking it. It's like, is that a really good? Should I be? <laughs> makes you know, you feel like Captain America. Should I have like a you know five dollar an hour kid coming in and doing that? Well, no. It actually does benefit me because it clears my head. It's like I don't have to think about anything. So I mean, I think there there are pros and cons to it all, and I think depending on like your systems that you have in place, you can put systems in place. Like for example, on the email side, I know where this, this, this nugget is going very long here, but like I this have nugget the, is an episode. We should just call should it I here. Just call it here. Yeah. <laughs> this is the episode is now how to utilize an EA to be more effective. Yeah. Maybe we should just do it that way. Actually. Let's probably, pivot. Dude, probably, it's, we're pivoting. Why we're wouldn't pivoting. we do it? Why wouldn't we? Yeah. Because it's worth it. Because I think everyone who's listening to this show, I mean, if you're a VP of marketing, a marketing manager, a CEO, a, a founder, an operator, somebody working for somebody else in the marketing department, or you're an agency, this stuff is going to help you. Like there oh, are dude. also, like you can get a VA to do some of this automation stuff, or you can actually buy things that uh, Zapier is a great example. Dude, like Zapier, Zapier is like one of the, the internet. It's the, one of the best tools. Now for me, Ever. like management of my inbox, I have a VA who monitors. She knows which specific emails are the ones that needs to pull my attention to. But we also have a secondary system that basically pulls out all the stuff from my inbox so that when I go into my inbox, even though I took like a week off, I went into my inbox, I think once during that week, and I really had about 12 messages. And they were all like hive, like important things, like strategic partnerships. Like, could I have her respond to those? Yeah, I probably could for a higher level. But like, there are things that I want to make sure that I've got my eyes on, and it could go one way or the other. So there is like this whole side sort of portion of tasks that, from my perspective, I don't think you can outsource. I think you have to have certain ones that are just for you. And I, and I think they, you have to be very, very specific about what that is, but it's the junk that gets in the way, like all the other stuff, you know, and the, the tool that I use is called SaneBox and it's absolutely fantastic. 
and it unsubscribes me from stuff almost automatically. And then I get like sort of a, you know, a readout of like all the different emails, whether or not they're priority or not, it knows which ones are priorities based upon certain email addresses and so forth. And then, you know, my VA monitors and make sure that I don't miss any. So it might not be like the level that you're talking about here, but it's really manageable. So like it, in the week that I was away, I spent 40 minutes on email in total, maybe on two days, which is pretty good. And even though I went through like my emails today and yesterday, since I came back, it was probably about like a half hour. Now, can I narrow that down? Should I get to the level where I'm actually really, truly leveraging my VA to the level that you're at? I think so. I think I could get there. What I'm saying is that I think a lot of people who have busy inboxes are afraid to do it. You can do it in steps too. Well, my EA doesn't write for me at all. That's a really important distinction. That, doesn't okay. comment. That, I yeah, was doesn't ask write you that emails, question. doesn't write Slack messages. Yeah. I'm with you, by the way. I don't think somebody should get something that says Cossum's name in the signature that wasn't written by Cossum. Yes. Unless it's my social channels are managed by other people. But you know what mm, I mean? Like well, my personal communication, including my my DM. You know, if you DM me inside of, you know, Twitter or Instagram or whatever, even though I have other people managing those, that all comes from me. So I absolutely agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think there's different levels of comfort that everyone has. And I think if you at least take a step in the right, to, you know, whether you go completely down the, the path that you're talking about here with a VA who actually manages it a hundred percent, or it's some sort of middle solution. And I've tested a lot of different email inbox things. And it's like same box is definitely the best. And it just mm. unsubscribes and it's just, it's, there's so many different parts to it. It's just, it's minimized my inbox like so, so much. Yeah, the, po the point is, is like you can do it. And I think anyone who's listening to this show thinks that they can't do it. And no, that's a task that I need to have all day long. And I see guys like I'll email somebody and they'll immediately email me back. I'm like, this is a like a CMO or a VP of marketing. Why is he emailing me back immediately? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? He should have some kind of process, you know, for that. I'm not saying like they're just sitting around waiting for my email. My email is all that important, but I know that person doesn't have any kind of system because email is not an urgent device, right? Like if you look at it, you know, if there's like a fire drill, like email is like the third or fourth thing. That's the third or fourth alarm. The first alarm is like a text message, DM and yeah. Slack, WhatsApp, Messenger, something like that, whatever your, you know, your instant messaging is. And then email is so far down, Slack inside a channel is somewhere kind of in between on the lower ends of the spectrum. Maybe the DM is a little bit higher. You know what I mean? Like you think about that hierarchy. I think as a, as a CMO, as a, as a CEO, as somebody who's doing this day in and day out, you have to think about what that priority is. And then manage the lowest ones first. And the lowest ones that I manage, the, like I've, I think we've already explained this, is that email side of the equation. Because email should not be something that you're on all day. It's a waste of time. You know? I absolutely agree with you. It, you know? So, well, so I want to I lift this out of the email piece of it, though, because I don't think EAs are exclusively email. Like, email doesn't make up more than 10% of my, my EA's job. Everything, so today I had to, for instance, this is really interesting given where it is we're going back and forth, we just launched a mastermind. Mm -hmm. And as part of that mastermind, 
we had to create a significant amount of collateral because when you show up to a mastermind, you have to have like a welcome packet and you have to have, you know, like really specific information. It has to be show stopping. And that's the type of work that generally speaking, unless you have an event coordinator is going to land on the entrepreneur. I got to go send my EA off and say, hey, do me a favor, create this folder, create this packet, do this signage, do this logo, do this brand guideline. Now, what's interesting is he didn't make it closer than 80% of the way on any one of those tasks. Right. I didn't like the brand guidelines. I didn't like the signage. I didn't like the, but he got me way closer than I would have started myself. Mm. And now I get to say like, oh, change this, do that. So one of the things I like about EAs is even though they can't like, because one of the criticisms people have is like, oh, they can never finish. They always need my input. Well, okay. It, you know, if it takes two hours to do this task, you go give him the hour and a half. And now you come back in in the fourth quarter and you polish it off. And they, you know, so I do, there's so many things that I think you can fire off at an EA. And for our CMOs and director of marketing, the people that work underneath you, if you're paying somebody a hundred grand a year or 60 grand a year, whatever it is, how much more could they do if you gave them a $500 a month EA? If you gave them a $6,000 a month or $6,000 a year EA, and you could increase their output by 10, 20%, you know what I mean? Like, and you're paying them a hundred grand a year. The, the, the math here is easy. It's yeah. easy. The, the, the EA is one of the most leverageable resources. And for some reason, people are repelled by the idea that they'd give their, their subordinates assistance. And I'm mm. like, are you kidding me? Like, this is, you know, this is a high value it's resource. It's getting bogged down with a bunch of garbage. Yeah. It's a force multiplier. I think people are in, in general and having, how do I say this? Sort of mentored operators to become managers, to become leaders. It's one of mm. the things that they struggle with the most. So here we are talking about it as like CEOs, founders of businesses. And, you know, whether you're in the C-suite or you're, you know, you're listening to this and you're an agency owner or you're, you know, you're running traffic for somebody else. There's always things that you could potentially offshoot to somebody else that right. not only because they they're probably better at it than you but it's a it's going to take you more time and more headspace so a great example is you know we have former my former va is now sort of our graphic designer and i had to create like this whole you know sort of three-year plan this sort of the vision thing that i didn't really know what it was but i was like hey listen here's what i've written which we've wrote a lot of it through some of the AI tools that we were going to talk about on this episode, which is a whole other thing. Coming soon, a whole episode coming, on AI. Coming soon on AI <laughs> and Descript and everything else that goes along with it. And then all I wanted was just to get it 80% of the way. And mm. what she did is she sent it back to me like 80%. Now we're going back and forth. And I knew I had a you know a week time frame on it. So it was like I had seven or eight days. So we're at like 90% done right now. And then I had one more thing. And then she added that. And this is somebody that is well paid in the country where she works, but mm. very happy with the pay that she makes. And I think like those types of things, it's like you don't realize there's people that want to do the things that maybe you're not good at or right. that you don't want to do, and you probably just never ask them. And it usually starts with a, hey, I really need your help. This, if there's a management tool for anybody who's listening here today, like it's the greatest thing because it's not manipulative and it actually is true. Hey, I really need mm -hmm. your help. Like I got a huge presentation I have to do, let's do next week. You know, I, 
I really legitimately need the help of like my marketing team. I was like, guys, I have a short time frame here. I need your help. Can you help me with this? And you know what? They're putting it all together and they're putting it together better than I ever right. could have put it together. And that's one of the things that I think people are, are you know, either you're an executive position or you're some kind of leadership position is that they're reluctant to relinquish that control because it's like, only I can do it. Well, when so I have an answer the for case. that. The people that are like, oh, nobody's going to do it as well as me. Then I'm like, well, then you've hired the wrong people. Everybody Correct. should be smarter than you. Yes. If you're the smartest person in your organization, you're an idiot. Like you are running the dumbest organization. Mm. That ship is going to sink. Yep. You're an arrogant moron. And I hope you fail miserably. And I'm going yep. on record saying that. I'm the dumbest human that works in my agency. Everybody that works for me is smarter along the level of analysis with, with, within which I've hired them to do their job. And if that's not true for you, then you're doing something wrong. And I want this to be your come to Jesus red flag. And I'm yep. so sorry I'm being so aggressive. But I, yeah, I can't stand that. I, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, there's been so many books written on this. I mean, one of the famous, one of the best books, like we always come back to this at Tier 11. And it's just one of those classic books. I think I've read it 30 times. It's Good to Great by Jim Collins. Oh, yeah, Jim Collins. And although some of the companies that are used in that example are funny. now, it is all the companies that he talks about are all I failures. Know, but they didn't evolve. They kind of lost sight of like kind of where they were as the way that he now explains it because he's written follow ups well, to the it. Book it was like an awkward time. Yeah, a little bit of an awkward time. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I mean, so but a lot of those principles from that transition from being a merely good company to a great company versus the comparator companies is a lot of this is what they call level ten leadership. Or level mm. five leadership, I think they actually call it. Level five leadership know. is not, you know, the brilliant, you know, visionary and a thousand workers. It's like the, our ideas of like what it takes to succeed in business. Look at the, you know, look at the people that, well, maybe not now. I was going to say Mark Zuckerberg. Forget that example. But like Elon <laughs> Musk, Just say what you will about it. <laughs> yeah, seriously, lost seventy percent of its value in twenty twenty two. Like the the Elon Musk of the world. I mean, mm -hmm. say what you will about Elon Musk, but he's kind of a brilliant guy. He's built like these big companies, even though the stock is down and all that other sort of stuff. I get it. You know, Jeff Bezos, same sort of thing. Like people think, oh, you have to be this brilliant genius and then just have all these minions like carrying out your orders. Well, in actuality, that is not the case. Like mm. SpaceX is run by this woman who my wife actually knows. She's freaking brilliant. She's yeah. like smarter than Musk with more yeah. organizational capabilities, more character, more ethics, more morals, all these other sorts of things to keep that So thing. the bar is pretty low there for Musk. Well, I'm, I'm a fan, by the way, but I'm true. just saying my yeah, point he's is, not winning that race. My point is, is I think a lot of maybe not so naive or maybe just haven't thought about it too much. Business owners or leaders think like that has to be the case. When in fact, the best way to grow your company is to empower the best people you possibly can hire. The people that are smarter than you in so many different ways and are complimentary, not compli with the I, like they just compliment you. They are complimentary with an E. They compliment what you are and make up for all your deficiencies. Cause you know, believe it or not, even though you get those, you know, beautiful, beautiful locks, you know, you have deficiencies, Qasem Aslam, and I know you're oh, aware of that. Well. And I think that's yes. what's been able to help, you know, build really great organizations is when leaders realize this and hire people smarter than themselves. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. What's interesting about the EA route too is I've never seen talent hurdle so many tears as I have with EAs specifically. 
And it's because they end up really close to the seat of power. And so, you know, we've had people climb the ranks of our organization. The gal that mm. runs my agency right now, she's our director of operations, soon to be COO. She started as a client manager. So, you know, that's a pretty meteoric rise. But um, even that took her a long time. She, you know, she had to learn each role in, in and out. The EA, because they're, they're kind of Swiss Army knives and they have the opportunity to do a lot of little things. And then you find out what they're really good at. I've got two EAs now that are in, one's in a C-level position, one's in a direct level role. Like that's insane. Mm. And an executive assistant would go straight to director of automation. But it's because I kept having her run, build all this automation for me. And I was like, oh my God, this girl is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So flipping the coin here a little bit, if, you, if you're a, you know, a young up and comer and you don't know what to do, that it's not, it's, there's no shame in taking a job like that. Because it really gives you purview into what you're good at. It gives you the opportunity to kind of cut your teeth on things. And then you have access to, you know, maybe a growth trajectory that you just wouldn't have access to in a more traditional career path. I, I totally agree. I hate to say this. I agree with what you're saying. It's more fun when we disagree. But no, seriously, it's like you never know how great people can be unless you give them the opportunity to be great. Yep. And I do think that there's a lot of people that are hired for specific roles and are one of two things, either their manager never allows them to do things outside of what they were hired to do. But more importantly, and probably the best advice I ever got back in the corporate world before I was fired twice, was that showing initiative and doing things without being asked, mm. doing things above and beyond, all of a sudden shows your superiors or your reporting manager how great you can be and how right. much more useful you can be just outside of your role. Like Julianne is a great example of that. Like you got to that point where she was probably just doing a lot of VA tasks and things like, but she had this hidden talent pool that she probably showed it in a couple of different ways. All of a sudden she created a spreadsheet or she did an SOP or maybe she created some kind of, you know, Zapier integration that all of a sudden worked with stuff. And you're like, holy crap, like she is so much more than just like a air quote VA. And I'm not denigrating the VA at all. I'm just saying like, like repetitive tasks that, you know, you're outsourcing because you're, you know, CEO guy. And it's like, if you don't give people a little bit more latitude to show how great they are, you're never going to find out how great they can be. But if you're a worker, if you're listening to this, if you report to a VP of marketing, you report to the CEO do something above and beyond, show more initiative. And yep. it's one of the five core values that we have at tier 11 is initiative. And that's how people could progress. That's how they make more money. That's how they get more responsibility. That's how they get more influence within the organization. And it makes us, you know, a better place to work and ultimately create, you know, great things for our customers. And I think that's I an important that, thing that people yeah. sometimes do miss. I couldn't agree with you more. It's, you know, it's interesting because we, we have something similar to solutions. A, we, instead of initiative, we just call it being proactive. One of our core values is, is being proactive. And my dad used to tell me this thing. I worked for my dad when I was a kid. It was horrible. My dad was the worst employer in the world. I hope he's listening to this right now. So, I, I love my dad. He's a good dude. Dads dear are, God, yeah. like, there's no more amount of stress I think a human can experience than working for your father. Right. Especially my dad. He was just such a train wreck. But my dad used to tell me, and, and I took this to heart and I tell my staff now, he goes, if I give you 10 things to do, and I know for a fact you're going to do nine of them, but you're going to drop the ball on one, you're actually worthless to me because 
you're, it's not like you're going to tell me ahead of time, hey, dad, this is the one I'm going to fail at. Like, this is the one I'm going to forget. So now I have to watch all 10. And if I have to watch all 10, I might as well do it myself. So you need, you need those 10 for 10 employees. And that's more or less the expectation of employment. I think what you're saying is the minute somebody can do 11 out of 10, it's like, hey, Ralph, I did the 10 things you asked me, but this other one, you, you mentioned build the list. I thought, why not instead of just build the list, I can go ahead and put the first draft of the email together and here it is. And then it's like, oh my God, who is this human and how can I give you more? This is exactly it. And I, I hate to bring it back to tier 11, but one of the things that we always say is one louder. And mm. in my mind, it's like, it's a cool, you know, this is spinal tap analogy. It's like a rock and roll thing, but really it's actually, you got 10 tasks, do the 11th that I didn't do expect. Do the 11th. Do yeah. the 11th friggin' thing I didn't expect. And oh, by the way, like I used to train my kids this way. It's like when they would empty the dishwasher and load or whatever, like after us telling them three times to do it, like, well, why didn't you say I did a good job? It's like, because you did your job, but you didn't actually do it without being asked. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the difference. That's initiative. You know, we, we praise for that, promote for that, push forward for that, develop for that, try to foster that as much as possible within our organization because we think it's so important. It's one louder. It's just one more. It's like, just do it a little bit more. Yeah, it might take you an extra 10 or 15 minutes or a half hour, whatever it happens to be, but your value to your boss all of a sudden becomes like so much greater and they realize you can do so much more. We just gave a promotion to a guy this past week and I said, I, I need to know exactly what he's done. And you know, obviously there's a financial remuneration for this. It's like, and they listed out all this stuff he did with never being asked. And I was like, oh my God, we're giving them the top end of the pay range. And yeah. It's the reason why, like, this is why I'm still involved in this part of our business because I want to know, and I, first off, I love this stuff because I mean, this is sort of human development stuff, but like you as an employee or wherever you are, you know, this is the thing that will ingratiate you to your boss, to your customer, you know, and that goes all the way through. And that's how you really do succeed in business and not only business, but also in life. Yeah. Do you know? just a little bit more. That, Everybody so can do a, the 10 tasks, you know? But can you do the 11th? The 11th. Jordan Peterson talks about a study that he did. He was a part of a, an efficiency study. And I'm going to misquote some of this, Ralph, but I'll get the gist of it right. Mm. And if some of our listeners know the study that I'm talking about, I'd, I'd love if you wouldn't mind just tweeting at me because I'd like to be able to cite this in the future with, with the proper citation. But I think it was through the University of Toronto and they did, and it might not have been, it might've been a part of his, his private efficiency business. I don't know. But they studied the output of employees in large organizations. And what they found was the majority of employees are trying to do 10% less than their expectation, trying to get away with doing 10% less. However, the employees that do 10% more got paid 40% more. Wow. Now, this is what's interesting is it's, it, I say 10% and you think that's nominal. It's actually a 20% swing. Yeah, because the majority of the staff is trying to do 10% less. We're talking about people doing 10% more. So you're doing 20% more than the aggregate average, but mm -hmm. you're making 40% more, which is significant. You know, I mean, like what a, what a lift and everybody know those, knows those people. I've got those people on my staff. I've got the people that make, you know, almost double what other people make. And if you were to go look at my payroll, you'd be like, why? And I'd be able to justify it very easily. It's like, yeah. man, I can just rely on that person and they, they take the ball and they run with it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it really is true. I mean, that as long as you're in an organization that recognizes it and does not take advantage of it. Yeah. I have been in organizations, and this is back in the corporate world, where I was always doing more. I was right. always doing more because I, I had a boss, the worst boss that I ever had at Glaxo Welcome way back when. And she, she gave me one evaluation at one time during the year. I never knew where I stood. Every time she'd come out in the field with me for every single month or whenever it was, she'd be like, I'm like, how am I doing? She's like, you're good. Good. Everything's good. I'd get threes out of one through five. But mm -hmm. at my annual review. And she was conflict averse. At my annual review, she finally ripped into me. And she said, I was like, well, why aren't I getting a raise this year? She's like, you know, you have not done anything above and beyond expectations. You've done your job. You hit your quota. Like I was at like 102% of quota or whatever the hell it was. She's like, you've done nothing to move yourself forward because you haven't taken any initiative. It's like, I was like, well, why aren't I in the management training program? Why don't you promote me? It's like, well, what have you done to actually get into the management training program? What sort of courses have you taken? Where, what books have you read? What sort of things have you done to work inside, you know, our training department or elevate your status with your peers? Like all these things. So worst boss, because she never gave me any feedback, but best feedback I ever got. And something mm. that I'll always remember is like, you have to take initiative to move forward in the corporate world. My father-in-law is a very, very successful businessman. And he said, you know, people who just want to stay put work 40 hours a week. The ones who want to change the world work 60, 70 hours a week. It's like, yeah. you got to put in the work. And I think that does involve, you know, doing something that you really do enjoy doing, which I think is everyone's sort of goal in life, but also putting in that extra effort, putting in that extra initiative and making things better, not just for yourself, but also for the organization. And that's how you move ahead. Well, and you just made a really poignant point that I think might be one of the most important take-home points for our listeners, which is you have to be the organization that deserves that. Yeah, You know, because I think most of our listeners probably land somewhere in, in between, right? Like they work for somebody, but they have people that work for them too. Right. You have to earn that type of loyalty. If you ask for people to be proactive and you ask for 11 out of 10, you have to reward it. You have to recognize it. And you know what's sad, man, is I, I, I've made those mistakes. I was the org that didn't see, all my employees are virtual. I got a mm hundred -hmm. people to work for me. They're all in a different country or at least in a different, you know, state. And yep. I remember one gal, she runs my onboarding team. She's our onboarding manager. Her name's Angelia. She's one of the most gifted employees I've ever had in my entire life. She's amazing. She's so accountable and she cares so much. I never have to worry about anything that she does. I'm so blessed to have her. Here's Angelia's problem is she will not self-advocate. She suffers in silence. And so we had Angelia running our onboarding team. And I finally got an email from someone saying, hey, I think we need, I think we need, I like, Angelia needs help. And I reached out to Angelia and she was working 14, 15, 16 hours a day because our, our, you know, client list was growing. And so the onboarding required more and more and more and more, but she came from a, a business culture that didn't allow people to complain. And so she just thought like, oh, the expectation must be that I do more. And she never told me. Mm. And so, you know, now I come out and one of the, one of the rules is don't suffer in silence. Um, but I wasn't an organization that was identifying somebody who's going above and beyond and I wasn't rewarding it for it. So obviously we rectified that and fixed it. And I bet you, not I bet you, I know for a fact 
because we're virtual, I still don't see all the good stuff my staff does. Yeah. But we try. We've got a kudos channel inside of our Slack. Every Friday, we ask people to announce their wins. We tell people to pat themselves on the back because it is virtual. But you have to earn it. You have to really show people that you value it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I On that point, I think when you start growing in size and you as, as the leader, you can't keep track of everyone. I mean, right. our organizations are a similar size at this point. Like, I didn't know that this guy who I did actually interview way back when was doing all this stuff until I was told. Now, I was wondering why his manager was pushing for, you know, the maximum pay raise. And I'm like, all right, well, I need some substantiation here. Like, we can't just do this just to do it. Right. But I was pleasantly surprised that as soon as I asked for the substantiation for the pay raise, she had the list like ready almost immediately. Like mm. she knew, which is a credit to her. So I think you do have to have people. It might not be you as the guy who's maybe at the top of the department or whatever it is, the VP of marketing or the CEO or whatever it is. But as long as you have people that are looking out for this sort of stuff and it's part of your culture, I do yep. think that's really, really important. So I was, I was surprised at how much he did, but I was pleasantly surprised at how much his manager knew that he did. And we obviously gave him the raise and, and moved forward. And I think it's got to be a core value of your organization. If you really do want a high performance culture, if you do really do want to take it one louder, you know, to 11 as opposed to 10, like you have to make it a part of everything that you're doing. You guys have a Slack channel for that. We have a You Are Awesome channel. And it's crazy because it's like there's two or three a day and these are all yeah. unsolicited and it's calling out a core value and why. And it's usually because they did something above and beyond expectations. Once again, it's not necessarily the initiative core value, but it's just like doing something not just to hear, but it's taking it to 11. You know what I mean? It's like there's so many different ways to kind of look at it. The point is, is I, I think you have to foster that type of culture. And that's the place I, I think, you know, like we've got a really good glass door rating, which is great, you know, but mm. I, like, I don't do it for that. It's like, it's just the right thing to do. Like, why not have an organization that has that kind of culture? Like, it, it's not going to be for everybody, you know what I mean? But I, I just think it's the right way to do it. And um, you spend so much time at work. Why not really enjoy doing that work and also having people recognize you and appreciate the good work that you're doing? You know what's funny? I bet you've had this experience too. I have prospects, clients, prospective clients that mention my glass door rating. Interesting. Like clients pay attention to that. They want to know like, who are you behind the scenes? You know, you're smiling at me and you're nice to me, but are you nice to the people that work for you? So again, that's not why you do it, but reputation is reputation regardless of where it's coming from. We went far afield, man. In the beginning, we were hiring EAs, and now this is management training, and it's probably all based off of like failures that we've both had. But dude, people are so important. So we've got an episode coming up on AI, but here's what yes. I'll say. To tease the AI episode, I just did a one-day event. Do you know Steve Sims? I do. He was I, on the so show. I did a one-day event with Steve, which is which is freaking awesome. We barbecue awesome. together He's... in Austin. Don't you remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. We clogged our arteries there. Still, still backed up. Yeah, you know, he's he's amazing, man. But we were we were having a conversation at this event, and one of the things that came up was AI. And the question was, will people be more or less important as AI becomes more prolific? And the answer is more. Mm. The answer is infinitely more. And here's why I believe that. 
AI is going to amplify the efficacy of your staff. Yep. It's going to amplify the efficacy of your staff by multiples, you know, sometimes 3x, sometimes 500x. If you have an ineffective staff member, it's going to amplify that inefficiency. So people, AI isn't going to nullify people. I think it will nullify some jobs, but it won't nullify the person. And the people that you hire are going to become more and more and more and more important because they end up becoming leverageable. You know, mm -hmm. they end up becoming the little, the little hinge that swings the big door. And as we're all marching towards automation and AI, I think that that's really worth remembering. And so if you don't have a culture of celebration, if you're not going after peak performers, if you don't have a Pareto talent system, now is the time. Like, in, unless you're a McDonald's and you've got, you know, your thing kind of is fast and cheap and efficient or whatever, and, and hopefully you're not because those business models, I think, are really hard unless you're at massive scale. You got to go after the peak performers and you have to do it now. Yeah. And I think that leads directly into the AI episode, which we are going to do next show and how important that is. And it's funny because going back to the peak performers, they're all the ones inside the organization who are like right on the cutting edge, not because they right. wanted to, to be, you know, to be mentioned on perpetual traffic or like suck up to the boss because they just don't know any other way to do it. It's like mm. they see something and they see an opportunity and they're like, this is so cool. I know no other way of doing things except to the best of my ability and to find things that can make me, me even more efficient and better at my job. And those are the types mm. of people that you want. And we'll refer to a, an episode we did over at the customer acquisition show on that show for really tactical stuff and two pretty good examples of people that or within our organization that are just like that. But I think it's a way to leverage even more automation and make you even more efficient, which I guess is what we were really talking about here on today's show. So this has been, this has been very cool, although unexpected, Rob, maybe more of a, you know, a, a, you know, top of mind format that we can adopt here in 2023 as we formulate our plan. We should do more of this, dude. Just you and I rapping. Well, we'll see what the listeners say. We'll they might the come after us. Say. Yeah, we're like, please never do that. Like, come, please, come with a plan. Come prepared. Please don't ever do that ever again, Ralph. And, yeah. Which, by the way, if Ralph you're listening, Gossip. you can always tell us what you want us to do better by going to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. You can. You can. Or you can subscribe and leave a rating wherever you listen to this show. We're pretty much everywhere out there on the interwebs. Make sure that you do follow me over on LinkedIn. I actually do a lot more on this like management leadership virtual boss kind of stuff. Pick up a copy of Virtual Boss, the book over on Amazon. Actually, it's where I'm having everyone inside tier 11 read it in 2023, which talks a lot about this. But anyway, check my profile out over LinkedIn. Kasim is at at Kasim Aslam on Twitter. Go back and listen to previous episodes and the ones that we mentioned here will be in the show notes over at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam. Peace. Until next show. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. 